I have so many more questions too that I just would pick your brain about, but people would be listening to like a four-hour podcast conversation. It'd be the Katie and Shine <laughs> podcast. <Yeah. Or> <laughs> Nina <laughs> asks Katie a million questions podcast. The want and shine. Yes. The want and shine. I love it. Yeah. Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking with Katie Horwich, who both Liz and I met at the Good Fest in April. We absolutely fell in love with her talk. It was at the end of the Good Fest. That was the last speaker, right? Yeah, it was a great way to wrap up the event. Just lots of positivity and lots of, for me, reflective thoughts about why we talk to ourselves the way that we do and um, a real desire to go forth and change that for me. Yeah, it was incredibly empowering. So if you do not know who Katie Horwich is, she's a writer, speaker, artist, activist, and she's the founder of WANT, which is Women Against Negative Talk, which is a platform that gives women's tips, tools, motivation, and inspiration to move forward in their lives by shifting their negative self-talk patterns. She's also the host of the WantCast, the Women Against Negative Talk podcast. I um, highly recommend checking her out. She was one of the first podcasts I listened to. It was a good recommendation from you, Nina. You're um, welcome. Yeah. And she interviews want women about, um, you know, moving forward fearlessly and being positive. Lots of really great information on that resource that she provides her listeners to. Every time I listen to her podcast, I feel like I leave the episode feeling super empowered and also feeling super not crazy because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that speaks to myself this way. I'm not the only one that's crazy. Like yeah. everybody else does this too. So if you're feeling like you need a dose of self-esteem or, I don't know, just a reminder about why you're awesome, the Wantcast is a really, really good resource for that. Yeah. So we'll talk about that and her life in general. Lots of exciting, fun stories in this podcast coming yeah, up. Yeah. It's good, a good one. A good biography of Katie Horwich. Yes, I agree. So uh, should we talk about our sponsor real quick? Nah. Nah. You guys got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> Nah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm dead serious about this. Like every time I listen to a podcast, as soon as somebody's like, but before we get into the episode, I'm like, skip, skip, skip. This will be a test. Do you want to test? What? Let's not talk about care of just one episode. Okay. And have people comment if they notice. <laughs> okay. And if no one comments, our theory will be proven correctly. Let's say we'll do an Instagram story and it's like, all right, guys, the new episode is out. What did we not talk about during this episode? I'm going to quiz people. It's so mean. Mm-hmm. I think it's because you're a teacher. Me? Yeah. What do you mean? It's like a teachery thing to do, even though it was my idea. I was <laughs> I was just going to say, I did not come up with that idea. That was completely you. I'm so tired. Way to spin it off on me. You're tired. We got Kara Vitamins. By the way, I'm just going to slip this in. The code is SHINE. So if you want to buy them, you cheated. <laughs> type in the code SHINE. Um, we're clearly tired today. Yeah. But that makes for a better episode. It does. We still don't have wine. 
We still do not have wine. You next know, week, next next episode, we're going to have wine. I have LaCroix, the you lemon. Did. Nina offered me some of that. She goes, do you want some LaCroix? This is the only can I have. And it was like half consumed. <laughs> I was going to share more than very nice. for you. I know. I do that like with gum too. I'll be like, do you want a piece of gum? I only have this piece left. So. In my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's currently in my mouth. So if you want it, you're going to have to take that. Um, okay. And we digress. So with that being said, with all our shenanigans and silliness out of the way, let's get serious with Katie Horvich. I'm that person who's obsessed with show notes and who loves like mm-hmm. the acknowledgements and the back page in, in books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading all of your show notes and I had this, this like aha slash oh no moment where I saw that you mentioned a wine at the beginning and I was like, oh my gosh. Oh no. Yeah. I have wine. <laughs> yeah. We used to be really awesome and like stick to our name yeah. and drink wine before every episode. Like it actually was the reason we, I mean, we obviously named our podcast Wine and Chang because we're like, this is great. We can drink wine and have amazing episodes. And <laughs> right. then, but then things like today happen where I'm like running in by the seat of my pants yeah. and I just don't, like I made tea instead. And <laughs> right. You'll have the wine after we record. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. seriously, we might. I might be going to see our friend's band play later. So that's right. Oh, cool. But we're kind we've kind of turned into the tea and shine podcast. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> always tea now. Yeah. Like we're drinking, it's calm mind. That yogi tea's calm mind is what we're drinking right now. <laughs> well, I feel like tea is sort of like you could just call it like wine for the soul. So oh, we both spin. like light bulb. <laughs> we can totally spin did the you, wine now. Did you do PR? I know you were you were a musical theater <clears throat> drama. I, I was a musical theater. I was a musical theater major, and then I was a musical theater performer uh, professionally for about five years. Um, I love that that you think that I did PR. I did not because that was great <laughs> spin. That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's just my writer brain. It's either like really on or it creates these these metaphors and this figurative language that makes sense to me, but everybody else is like What? It's sort of like that scene in Billy Madison where where the the person is trying to teach Billy Madison uh Spanish and it like seen. flips back to him and he's like go slower. <laughs> I do not understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I was in I've been writing for a very long time. I mean, I've been writing for a very long time, but I've been writing publicly, professionally, like getting paid to write Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And a lot of that was freelance work. And then I was with a publication. I was one of their founding editors for four and a half years. And I learned how to, I really learned how to spin things in like cheeky, reader-friendly mm. ways. And also that's just kind of me. And so I just started to embrace my my Katie-ness more, I guess. Well, you have a gift for it, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I just plugged in my headphones so that you don't get an echo from me. Nice. I want you to know, I want you to feel better. So I only recently started doing the headphones with the iPhone thing also. Mm-hmm. Um, and my- <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like where you put headphones, like when I'm on a phone call? I'll put in. Yeah, like oh, oh, I got yeah, you. Okay. Like that have the little speaker thing. Yes. Yes. I know. Okay. Like everybody does this, but I like now living in New York for a year, I was like, I should really 
have these headphones, these headphones that everybody talks about, <laughs> yeah. where you don't have to be holding your phone up to your ear. See, I I was doing that, and then one day my husband caught me like holding the phone and talking into it with headphones on, and he's, he's like, like, "You didn't need." To he's do like, that. "You know, this is a microphone, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, oh I gosh. did it." <laughs> I stumbled upon that accidentally because I've never done it intentionally where I'm like, I'm going to put my headphones in and have a conversation. But Mm -hmm. I was running and somebody called me and I like answered it. And I realized I was talking to them and they could could hear me and the headphones were in. I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. I like this. I could do it again, but this is how you know we're old millennials. Right, exactly. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So what you guys are... 30, 28, 30, 28, 28. Oh, I thought you were in your 30s already. No. Yeah, I, I just turned 30. So I'm in the same boat as you where it's, yes, this is how you know we're old millennials. Yeah, because there is a difference between oh, like- Oh my gosh, yes. I'm the yeah. oldest of 13 cousins and they're all, yeah, obviously they're all younger than me. And the things that they do via Instagram and with like their social medias and the slang terms that they use, I'm like, what is happening? What are, What is the language you are speaking? Yeah, well, I think, I feel like things changed so drastically in between the years of probably like 1990, 1991, 92, mm-hmm. and 1998. I mean, I remember oh, yeah. we got we got AOL when I was in sixth grade. So that must have been in 1996 or 97. And then before that, my, my grandfather was actually the first person that we knew to have the internet. And he had... Um, Go Grandpa. I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He, he like, he introduced us to online shopping. Like what? he had Grandpa. what was called <laughs> Prodigy. Do you remember Prodigy? Uh-uh. Or have you heard of it? It was like the OG Windows or like, oh my gosh, people are probably listening to this right now. And they're like, this is the word, Katie. I don't remember what it's called, <laughs> but like the system. The operating, operating system? system. Yeah. So like Prodigy was the original, one of the original OSs. Mm. And you had to like, you would start it up and like all of these different numbers and codings would pop up on the screen. And I remember going onto his computer and there was a, there was a computer game that my brother and I loved. It was called The Seventh Guest. And it was sort of like this mystery game. It was sort of like, are you afraid of the dark? Mm. It's uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I played Car- where in the world is Carmen San Diego on my computer, like yes, religiously, me too. all the time. I thought it was the okay. best. What about the Oregon oh, Trail? It was awesome. Did it Oregon that? Trail. Yes, Oregon Trail, <laughs> Carmen San Diego, and this seventh guest thing. And I remember being really young, and I mu- it must have been like ninety three or so, because it was right after when um, Beauty and the Beast came out, so maybe ninety mm. four. And I remember he was like, here, I'm going to show you guys something. And my parents were in the room and he ordered, he was like, okay, Katie, what do you want? And I was like, uh, I like this, this beast stuffed animal. And he like clicked a few buttons and he was like, okay, it'll be here in a week. And we were all like, magic. Oh my gosh. gosh. And it's crazy that there are people who don't even remember those moments where like something that was online, like the concept of being online or doing things online was non-existent and then became existent. So they don't have those mind-blowing moments. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, 
it's crazy to me. We were just, me and my friends were just talking about, uh, I was at the pool and I was listening to these two girls. They must have been like freshmen in college. And they were talking about, it was all social media drama. Like this girl cut me out of my Instagram and like, you know, very much like young drama. And I really wanted to talk to them and be like, guys, I think that there's a different way to think about this. Like maybe we don't have to make this so dramatic, but I refrained. And instead, of course, I texted my friends and we were talking about how in college, we didn't even have Instagram or didn't have any or of it we on didn't your have phone. smartphones no. until oh. like junior year. I mm-hmm. think we ha- we got smartphones. And Cody, my husband, he didn't even get texting until he was a senior. Because I remember in the beginning of our our relationship, I had to like aim him. Yes, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "This is insane. I feel so old now." But I mean, I guess the beginning of college was ten years ago. So. One day, those yeah. kids will look back and they'll be like, "I used to have Snapchat." Yeah. Oh my gosh! I know. Yeah, yeah. They'll talk about Snapchat like we talk about like MySpace, MySpace and yeah. Friendster. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I went to college. My very first year of college was the very first year that Facebook came out. And Facebook originally, if you remember, it was a college. Yep. Yes. Networking platform, and you like had to wait until your school was mm-hmm. added. And I remember there was a section on Facebook where, like, your profile was super bare bones. Like, I remember at first, I don't think you even had a a picture on it, or you could only add one picture. You couldn't add multiple pictures. And at the very bottom of your profile, you like added your classes, like your class mm-hmm. schedule. I don't remember was, that. I think that yeah, we, we got it when it was first open because I remember getting it my junior year of high school. Yeah, and I that's remember when it was open to when it first got open to non-college people. My first yeah. pictures on there are my senior pictures. I uploaded some Ooh. of my senior pictures and you were one of my earliest friends. Actually, on the first episode of our podcast, we talk about how me and Liz met cuz we're freshman year college roommates. Mm-hmm. And she had put that she was interested in men and women on Facebook cuz she thought it meant for friendship. I did. And so <laughs> Which is like totally cool. But the whole time I was like, oh yeah, like my my freshman year roommate is bisexual. Like it's totally fine. Um, and then I remember I yeah. asked her like awkwardly on the phone. I was like, so are like, are you interested in men and women? I totally don't care. That's totally fine. Yeah, and you specifically said you were like, as long as you don't watch me changing. Which like, is something I would never say at this point. Like why in the world right. was that something that came out of my mouth? Like why? Um, and she was like, no, I have a boyfriend. And it was just a funny like little social media Facebook moment that we- That's so funny. I think today. I did the same thing. Interested and then in I, men and, and then women. And I realized and I was like, oh, Well, I okay. didn't want people to think I was like online dating. That's what I thought. I thought <laughs> people only would- want to see men. <laughs> right, 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 right. I felt like, okay, well, I'm interested in being friends with everybody. Exactly. That's exactly so. what you said. Katie and I so were on the same wavelength. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so I totally funny. get it. Oh my gosh, I love it. <gasps> well, you know what I just realized? We have gotten into some of this awesome conversation, but I know that a majority of our listeners probably know who you are, but some might not. So do you mind just kind of taking a step back and introducing yourself a little bit? And I definitely want to get into talking about want and how you got there, um, just kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, of course. So my name is Katie Horwich. I am just getting over being sick. So I sound still sound a little bit like my smoky, sultry, like smooth jazz on the radio mm. voice. Do you um, ever like, sometimes I like that voice better when I get that smoky hint. I'm like, I yeah. kind of wish I had this all the time because I would sing so much cooler if I did. Oh yeah. Have you seen that episode of Friends? Yes, where, where Phoebe. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that episode. I feel the same way when I lose my voice though. <laughs> so sorry, little sidetrack. So 
My name is Katie, and I am a writer, I am a speaker, I'm an artist, and I'm an activist. I'm the founder of WANT, which stands for Women Against Negative Talk. And what WANT is, is a platform that gives women tips and tools to shift around their negative self-talk patterns so we can all move forward into the lives that we're meant to lead. And that comprises of an editorial component. So there's uh, a lot of my writing lives on the site. There is a podcast aptly titled The Wantcast. Highly recommend listeners. Highly recommend. Thank you. Thank you. And then I do speaking and workshop uh, workshops around the country. Like the Good Fest. Yeah. Where we saw like the Good Fest where I met both of you. Yeah. We just recorded with Cassandra Bodzak. When was that? Like last week? Oh, Monday. Yeah. Yeah, It was not that long ago. And we had a love fest over the good fest. A love fest over the good fest. It was fantastic. And I'm doing it again in in LA in February. Are you emceeing this one? Or I saw something. I am. I'm emceeing. It's a little bit unclear right now. Like all the details are getting getting locked down. But from what I understand, I am emceeing part of the day. I am definitely the opening speaker and I'm going to be moderating a panel, which I am so, so pumped about because it's basically right now, it's like all of my friends on the panel. So it's just going to be sort of how the Philly one was, where it was just like a chance for all us all to hang out because we do live in different states and time zones and we all have different things going on in our lives. And a lot of our friendship, uh, I mean, all of us who are at Philly who knew each other beforehand, I, I can't speak for them, but I knew them all from the internet first mm. and foremost. So we have these really deep relationships, but as as you both probably know, you can have a really deep relationship with someone that you meet over the internet, sometimes deeper than the relationships that you have in your real life, which I have so much to say about that and like finding friends and making friends as an adult and finding friends who resonate with you. But I find that I have these really close friends that I've had for a while now that I've made through the internet and we've maybe been in the same place at the same time, like three times max. I just met a friend, her name's uh, Sari, and she is in the health coaching program I'm doing. And we met actually through Jordan's uh, Soul on Fire Facebook group. And we started talking and we just Skyped for the first time last week. And I immediately clicked with her. Like I'm planning a trip to Michigan with my husband to go visit her. And I completely just met her over the interwebs. Like I've never done something like that before. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, you're right. The reason we connected was because we had a lot of like-minded views on on various things. So that's why we started talking and became Instagram friends and then text message friends. I'm too introverted. I don't know. Uh, I I just like- It just happened organically, really, just because we had the same interests. I just like watch. I don't like contribute to social media. I just like watch from afar. (laughs) I mean, that's fine too. I mean, I will say, did you say something about being an introvert? I, I don't really actually, I really feel like I'm right on the middle between introvert and extrovert. Like I can't decide which one I am. That's a thing. That's a thing. Ambervert, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and we all have a little of each in both of us. But I actually find that as, so I am, I skew, I don't want to say too heavily, but heavily enough that like I am a 
introvert, capital I. Mm -hmm. Um, I am on the introvert side. And I have found throughout the years that actually, you know, people will diss social media and the internet. And there there are definitely, especially right now in the um, political and social climate that we're Mm -hmm. in, like there are some things about social media and the internet that are just like a little too much to handle sometimes. But the internet has introduced me to some of my best friends, and it's really helped me figure out who I really really am. Maybe not figure out who I am, but become comfortable and really live into who I who I know I've always been meant to be. That makes. A I lot think of it's sense. a very special yeah. thing. I have found that it has opened me up to connecting with a lot of more like-minded people just because it's kind of hard to, I know you said you kind of want to touch on making friends in real lifetime because if you think about it, it's kind of hard to connect with people outside of work. Like if you're at a coffee shop or if you're yeah, walking down the street. it's kind of weird to like walk up to someone and be like, hey friends. Yeah, and you might have a situation <laughs> yeah. where again, it happens organically, but I feel like somehow through social media and like Instagram really has helped me a lot. Like I'll look at people's pictures or I'll see the things that they post and then maybe I'll reach out and say something and then we get into a conversation and it just really helps you kind of dig deeper quickly, which in a way sounds silly now that I say it because it's like, well, shouldn't we be doing these things face-to-face? But I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. It's a little step down from going up to somebody in a coffee shop and being like, hey, friend, (laughs) Um, like you said. (laughs) Exactly. But I have this sense of people who like I'm meant to be friends with and we're meant Mm. to be in each other's lives. And I have had a lot of those people on the podcast and quite a few of them have been people that I've just sort of reached out to cold. And now we have these like lovely, beautiful friendships. And I'm, I'm really, I'm so grateful to everything that the, that the internet has brought into my life. I get to talk to you guys. I met my fiance on the internet. Did you? I did. I did. Yeah, and now we're getting married in November. Well, congrats on that. Being engaged is super fun. Um, I just got married last June, July. Oh my gosh. Cody's going to be like, why did you just say June? Um, I just got married last (laughs) July. So yeah, thanks. Are you guys enjoying the process so far or is it stressful? It's been been really lovely and 98% completely easy Mm -hmm. and not stressful whatsoever. And I don't think that that has to do with anything in particular besides that we were like, it shouldn't be stressful. Like this is a beautiful, wonderful thing and we just want to enjoy it. So I'm so not like a bridezilla, zilla of any kind. And I want to do like the most low key, like I'm doing a staycation for my bachelorette where my friends who are in my bridal party are coming to New York and we're just going to like be together in the city for yeah. a couple. If you're in New York, why not? I mean, that's the perfect place. Sounds fun. Exactly. exactly. And when you live in New York, you, I mean, it's still amazing. And like, I walk out the door every day and I'm like, I can't believe I get to live here. But still, you don't necessarily spend a day or two like you would if you were visiting New York, mm-hmm. just like any any place. But yeah, it's been a really lovely, fun, easygoing, easy process. We have like we had everything kind of locked down within the first three months. And we're like, wow. okay, I guess we just enjoy things now. How was how was your 
process. You know, it was it was pretty good too. I think my family's kind of high stress sometimes. So I think that sort of would rub off on me. And I was like, why are we making, why do we have to make everything a big deal? So that was a little bit stressful for me once in a while, but it really is the same thing that you said. I was like, I can make this as stressful as I want to. I guess it kind of goes with life too. It's like, I can choose, I can choose to make things a big deal. Or I can say, like you said, this is a really happy time in my life and I'm just going to live it up and go with the flow. And, you know, I kind of did that and everything. I feel like everything turned out well. Liz was in it. I was in it. I was So yeah. Mine, I see, I got married so young. I got married at 24, mm-hmm. which now I'm like, what a oh, baby. Wow. Oh, it's their anniversary it today. Is, it is our anniversary. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Oh my gosh. And you're spending it with me? Listen, I feel <laughs> really... Funny story. I feel really bad. So my husband and I are going away on like half of next week and over the weekend. So my in my brain, I've been thinking like next weekend as my anniversary. Like I know mm-hmm. it's today, but I was like, right. oh, we're not, you know, we're not doing anything. And so I was like, I'm going to go record with Nina. And he was like, <laughs> on our anniversary? And I was like, oh my God, I'm such a terrible person. <laughs> and you like posted this beautiful thing about you guys on Facebook I today. Know. It was so cute. And you're like, I'm going to go record. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least like we're recording for like an hour, right. an hour and a half, exactly. like max. Like it's not the entire it's not. evening. No. I, f- I feel like when I got married though, I was, I felt guilty to listening to what everyone else like thought and wanted for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think if I got married now, I would be, I feel like I have a much stronger sense of like what I want and sticking to what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would let... I don't think I would have... I'm sure I, I have people-pleasing tendencies, so I'm still some sure some yeah. of that would still happen, but... Yeah, I call myself a recovering people-pleaser, so Ooh, I get it. teach me your ways. Yeah, I am... I'm recovering from it as well. I'm a lot better than I was, but I know me and Liz actually talk about this frequently, about how it's so hard for us to say no to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My barometer now is if it's something that feels like purely obligation, then yes, I can say no to it. But if it's something that I'm actually going to enjoy or like this weekend, there's something going on, I would love to go. But I also, I have, you're actually catching me at a really interesting time to talk about just because I am in a major transitional place in my life right now where I have started I've started working again aside from want and I'm so stoked on it. I love it, but my schedule is completely different and I've had a lot of I and and I was sick for 2 weeks, so mm-hmm. like the the combination of everything really sent me into this self-doubt territory, this creative depression and I was just I was comparing myself to everybody and I was getting so caught up in things that I just wasn't doing anything. And I'm finally coming out of that. And really the only day that I have to do things and do things that I love to do is on Sunday. I have a full day all to myself and it's this thing. And it's like, okay, well, I know my friend is going to love me still. I know that I can see the people that I want to see. This is like a not a one-time thing. And if I'm coming out of this place of being in this low, low, mm-hmm. I need to honor what's going to make me feel good to get back to the Katie that I love to be most of the time. So I'm actually sitting that out. I said no to that so that I can be home, edit podcasts, 
write, do some freelance projects, do just a bunch of work that I've been so paralyzed and in this sort of depression and and doubt fueled space of inaction. I'm finally coming out of it and I can really like get back back on track to where I want to be on Sunday. So I'm really excited about that now. I feel like you're speaking my language. Well, I feel like I, I'm in that same place that you are coming out of. It always happens to me during transitional phases in my life. And it's funny that you said the same thing, like you were going through a transition as well. And it sounds like it's a positive transition, right? From like mm-hmm. doing want and now also like doing another job that you really enjoy. And so for me, I feel like I'm actually the opposite of you in that I'm really extroverted. So mm-hmm. I just went from working full-time as a teacher to summer break where I actually don't really have many obligations at all. And so everybody would think that it's like time to relax, go to the pool, like this will be great. But for me, I sort of fall into this weird self-doubt, low, um, like devoid of creativity spot too. And I and I don't know why sometimes. And it's really hard for me to get out of it. Because when I'm in work, when I'm at work, I feel like I have my juices are flowing. And I have all these ideas and even including like the podcast and and my health coaching. And then it's like summer break. I have all this time and I am almost like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's very yeah. odd. Well, what's really interesting is that so part of the reason why I wanted to, why I wanted to take this job is that I had been, I had been working on my own for a year and a half. And part of the reason I left that job, I mean, 80% of the reason I left that job was because of, was because of want. And I was Mm -hmm. like, if I don't devote, this is something that I need to devote my full time and attention to. And I teach, I teach fitness classes. So I like, I don't want people to think like I quit my job. And then I was just like, that is not how it happens. So I still had income from, from teaching classes and obviously like not as much as I was making, but I still had something to fall back on, which was really nice. Um, and it was very flexible. And I was at this point where I was like, I need to see what happens when I'm giving all of my energy to it. And I sort of framed it as I've learned everything that I can at this job, the job that I was at. And the next things that I need to learn are on my own. It's it's funny because I love, love your podcast. And so just a side note, last summer, uh, you had an episode about transitioning to New York and how you and your husband like made a list, I think, and you like had to let out all the emotions. And do you remember this conversation? You do. It's your podcast. I'm was sure that you... a p- the planned freak out? Episode? Yes, it was, I think. Yes. And, yes, um, yes, so was I used that. Oh, it wasn't December. Okay. But I remember like listening to it during that sort of transition. And then you recently posted one about how you have this new job and like it was about all about like side hustle or whatever you want to call it or don't yeah, want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really resonating with me. And I love that you openly talk about this because it really does like connect and influence like stages I'm going through in my life. Oh, that that makes me so happy. Well, and I also think that talking about because I don't I don't pretend to be like a business expert or like mm-hmm. a branding expert or whatever. Like I do do some I do do some of that work <laughs> on the side like 
which I love that you thought that I was in PR. Like I do do brand work for people <laughs> on the side because I love it and I love helping. Something that I talk about a lot on want is your through line. And it's the combination of, it's the common theme and everything you love and the common goal and everything you do. And part of what I love is helping, is using my authentic voice to help people find and live out theirs. And so for me, helping people with, Branding stuff is like just an extension of that and just super fun. But I don't pretend to be an expert on all that. However, I do recognize that there are, and this isn't like throwing anybody under the bus or anything. I think that this is just sort of a general thing. And maybe it has to do with with shame or like projecting yourself to be what you want to be. I think that there are a lot of people who are living out, they're putting in the brand that they're putting out there and the work that they're putting out there for other people. So like me, when I speak, all of my social media, all of my writing, everything is under the want umbrella because that's really what I call my purpose project and what I mm-hmm. feel the most strongly about what I want to give to the world. And whether that's, you know, the wine and shine podcast for you or like somebody in Seattle who is like making their own pottery and selling it out of their garage. Like everybody's got these these purpose projects or these these passion projects if that's mm-hmm. what you want to call them that they are doing for fun or they're really trying to build as a viable business. But they're still doing other things. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like a freelance job here or there. I'm talking about like full on like spending my day doing something else. And so what I realized is that I am lucky enough to have a community of incredible, incredible people and mostly women around me on the internet because of want. And for whatever reason, what I what I say resonates with people and it matters. And so I feel a responsibility to be talking about, yes, I do have another job. And no, it's not like, oh, I quit everything and here I am, like live in large, mm-hmm. or you know, everything is wonderful and perfect. And I'm speaking here and here and here. Like there's a lot of downtime. There are a lot of moments where I don't really live into my self-doubt a lot, but that's a part of who I am because I'm just, I'm human. It's a part of all of us. And there's a lot of working through that and working through different iterations of that. And from that is where I get a lot of my my creative ideas. And someone will say something offhand and I will sit and stew about it for a week and then I'll write about it. And it's, you know, the blog post essay that comes out. I'm not just like sitting here churning out writing 24-7 all the time. And I think that I think it's really important for especially right now, whether you're whether you're an old millennial or a young millennial or whatever age you are, when the internet is able to showcase the parts of you that you want to showcase. I think it's really important to for the people who are in front of people and who do have open ears and an audience to be honest with about, about how things really are. So I try and be as transparent as possible. And when I am going through things, I don't like to talk about things before 
I have actually landed on something that is useful. Like I just, for example, I did not talk about, I did not talk about my eating disorder online in any sort of capacity, whether it was writing or social media or whatever, Mm -hmm. until many, many years after, because I know what it's like to be that person who is looking to uh, now what we call influencers or going onto a message board and being in a place where you're struggling, whether it's with an eating disorder or otherwise, and you're just looking for any answer to be the answer. Mm-hmm. And when it seems like someone has an answer, and even especially if you look up to that person, you like take that on as your answer and you like run wild with it. And I think that that's really dangerous. So I made a promise to myself as I was building out the outline for want, which P.S., I had the idea for that back in 2007, but part of the reason why it never went anywhere is because I was still going through things and I realized that I had created this this idea and this this concept for something that I so needed at the time, but I wasn't ready to deliver any sort of material or I don't even want to say wisdom, but just like thoughts on the matter because I was I was creating something that I needed. That's such a good point. And I resonated with so much you said. I feel like when we're going through something difficult, like we are, you're like you said, we're searching for the answer. And then when you find it, it's like this excitement and you're like, I want to share this with the world. But it's like, you need to, you need to go through your path and you need to figure out your stuff. And, and then yes, when you're over the hump in the end, then now maybe it's time to share your story. Well, and one person's, and we all know this, one person's answer isn't everyone's answer. So if you're looking to influencers and, you know, think that, something's like the golden ticket to XYZ, that may not work for you. Totally. And then you're setting yourself up for failure if you try to implement it and it doesn't work because it may not just be designed to work for you. So what jump-started this passion for helping people address this huge negative self-talk issue that just permeates our society, I feel like, especially with women. Was was it your own inner dialogue that you were having with yourself around your, you know, eating issues that you had? Or or was it just watching people that you love struggle with this, you know, with inner demons addressing how they feel about themselves? Like what what was the catalyst for getting you into this line of work? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great way of phrasing that question, by the way. I like to write too. To that? Yeah. <laughs> Liz, Liz is really, really good at that. When you said catalyst in my head, I was like, I would never have asked the question that way. Go Liz. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I like to, I tell people that, yes, I've, I've gone through eating disorder, disordered, multiple disordered tendencies that fall under that blanket. That isn't what led me to want and led me to this work. It's sort of what opened or led me to this problem. It's what really opened my eyes to the fact that I needed to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So for my entire life, I had, I'm going to give you the the longer version, like Cliff's Cliff's Notes 2.0. Like I won't go too long (laughs) and too crazy. But for my entire life, I had a lot of self-confidence, but the lens through which I viewed that self-confidence, it was totally, totally like scratched up and tarnished and murky. So I felt like I was told that I was pretty a lot 
or I was talented. And I felt like if I was talented, then I also couldn't be smart. I couldn't be pretty. I couldn't be funny. I couldn't be Mm. introspective and deep and all that stuff. If someone was praising me for the way that I looked, I felt like, okay, I'm not allowed to be talented, smart, funny. It's sort of like we experience this a lot as women. It's sort of like we get to just choose one, Mm -hmm. which is such BS. And I, I took on a lot of the without even knowing it, I took on a lot of the negative self-talk tendencies that the women in my life, the older women in my life had. So, and that was usually to mitigate the, oh, you're so pretty or you're so talented. Like it was sort of that self-deprecatingness that we, that we associate with, with the cool girl. And I mean, it, it's sort of like the Jennifer Lawrence syndrome, like, like, oh, like I'm sort of a mess. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, it's like, it's okay if you're not a mess. Like we're yeah. all a mess at times, but like, let's also talk about when we're not a mess. But we talk about when we're a mess or when we're feeling fat or, you know, we, we get a compliment from somebody and our automatic reaction is to negate it. Yeah. I took on a lot of that because I felt like it was a way to sort of smooth over all of these things that I had in me that I wasn't necessarily allowed to be by society's standards. So I was just basically, I grew up in the Snackwells generation where, you know, the Snackwells cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I grew up in the low fat. Oh yeah. Everything like that is what it is to be healthy. I have we- a very specific cookie in mind that my mom used to get that was like mint yeah. and like slightly yes, styrofoamy. I remember those. I yes. don't remember what they are. But I don't I remember, remember either, but they were very like chalky and styrofoamy and they were low fat, but they were healthy for you at the time. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But that was, that was the mindset, especially yeah. in nineties and the late nineties is that if it is low, like the, the least amount of fat possible, the better. Mm-hmm. And Combined with, I was always, when I was a teenager, I, as many teenagers do, but I had like this raging appetite and it was sort of the joke of like, oh, where's it all going in Katie? Like that was, I was sort of sick of the joke Mm -hmm. where it was like, oh, do you have a hollow leg type thing? And I wasn't, I wasn't super tiny. I was like, I had, I had curves. I was built like a woman from the age of 14 years old on, which also gave me a head trip because I was like, this isn't what I'm supposed to look like yet. Like I don't look like a teenager, but I was told that no fat and that restricting portions was like how you eat healthy. And so that's what I kept doing because I was like, I want to feel mature, like I've got my life in control. And I just kept losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. And I had this moment, I remember I was in my dorm room and I remember that I, I remember I ate a pear at like eight o'clock. So like past the seven Mm o'clock rule. And I remember being like, yeah, like, like I felt like it was such a like such a success or such like a rebellious thing. And I was like, this is not right. But I felt horrible. And I had the self-awareness enough to be like, this is this is not going on. So I went onto the internet and I knew that I wasn't anorexic. I knew I wasn't bulimic. And I came across this one website 
literally one website probably built on like GeoCities or Angel Fire or something. <laughs> and it was the doctor who turned the who coined the term orthorexia. And I was, and it was all about orthorexia for anybody who's listening and doesn't know. It is basically an unhealthy obsession with being healthy. And I'm and I wasn't at the point where it was just like, oh, taking over my thoughts. It's like it was, it was the only thing that I could really think about, planning out when I was going to eat, what I was going to eat, how much I was going to eat. But it affected everything else in my life. And it was never about the food. Like the the food issues are never about the food. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is me. This is what I have. And so I saw that and I, and I recognize that. And I think that it's really, I, I get a lot of people who reach out to me and they're like, I'm struggling with being, I'm in recovery for an eating disorder. And how do I stay in recovery? And it's something that I am currently working on how to address that in the most mindful way. Because I don't want to say to people like, well, guess what? Your ideas of recovery are completely like not real. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a process. So I'm currently learning how to how to deal with that. But mm-hmm. on the tail end of that, so like within like year three of year four or year two of year four, that was when I first thought of want because I decided to do this sort of experiment where I was just hyper, hyper self-aware and aware of the people around me. And I realized that this negative talk epidemic existed where we, especially as women, were bonding over negativity and we would bond over negativity in a way that was not based in any emotion. Like it, we would say it as easily as like, oh, the sky is blue. My thighs are fat. Like it, yeah. it, it was so disconnected to any real feeling. And we used it to form bonds and friendships and conversations. And I would listen to the women in my life talk about themselves. And that's when I really realized that this self-deprecating thing was such a huge part of our society and what it meant to be like a cool girl and to not care is you also have to kind of pretend like you don't care about yourself or you don't think you're that great. The year went on and I would tell people about it, but blogs didn't really exist back then. They were Mm -hmm. just starting. They weren't really a thing. So there was no way to scale it. There was no way to grow it. There was no way. I didn't know what I was doing online yet, like technically. So there was no way for me to update it. And it fizzled out. And what I realized years later is that, like I said, I had created something that I had so needed at the time, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't know what to deliver, like what I what I needed it to be. And fast forward, I got a job at I was I was freelancing. I became interested in health and wellness, which I think is a big common theme with people who have gone through eating disorders or exercise disorders or body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And so I started to explore what this idea of all-inclusive wellness meant. And I got hired by a juice company called Press. I I was writing, I was freelancing at the time and along with my blog. And I remember I came across this company called Press Juicery Mm -hmm. that now people know about. Yeah. 
and they had just opened up a store that PS used to be a coat closet in, in in Brentwood. Oh no, not a coat closet. It was like a storage closet in like a little like a little rotunda of a a mall in Brentwood. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this gut feeling of that's where I'm supposed to be. That's where I'm supposed to work. And I wrote the founder this just cold email and I was like I just want to be a part of what you're creating. And I remember I was on my interview and they said where do you see yourself going with the company? And then the company was like all of eight months old at that time. Like, I don't think it had even celebrated its year mark. And me, Little Miss, I have a blog and I've done free. <laughs> I was like, well, I noticed that your site doesn't have a blog and I would love, like, so ballsy. I don't know what I was thinking. It was awesome. And I was like, I would love to start blog for you. And they were like, well, actually we're working on this online magazine. And I was like, cool. I want to be a part of that. And I started to sit on the editorial teams. And that was what, that was in October, September, October. And then that following January, what became a website called the chalkboard, the chalkboard mag launched. And I was one of the founding editors and I was with them for four and a half years. And it was amazing. I, I, I tell people about it and I call it sort of my grad school because I was learning so many things on the job. I was with such a supportive group of people. I was meeting such amazing people. And I really started leaning into my what some people would call mind body or self help whatever like i just call it more like essay type more esoteric writing style and i realized that a lot of the things that i was talking about in my writing there were still these huge problems of negative self talk in our society and i did some research and i was like this still does not exist and what i realized is that Everything that I needed to learn to get me to the place where I wanted to be, I had gotten to the point where I had learned it. And I was like, I've mm-hmm. got to do something new. And I went into work and I told my my supervisor, I was like, I'm giving you so much advance notice. But I like October is like October 1st, like Q4 is going to be my last quarter. And it was sad and we cried, but it was also happy and we mm-hmm. cried. And it has been, I was, I told you I would give you like Cliff's verse, Cliff's notes. Like that was not Cliff's <laughs> notes at all. It's been the most rewarding experience. And it's really, I, I love want so much. But what I love even more is that my intention, whether I am writing or doing a podcast or speaking or like getting on a Skype call and like hanging with you guys is that. I get to have these conversations or talk, have these conversations like either on the page or with other people or talk about them in sort of a stream of consciousness. And what I love is that I get to hand off the conversation to other people then Mm -hmm. so they can have the conversation within themselves, within their family, within their communities and friend groups. And that's something really powerful and it's something that I don't take lightly and I'm at this place right now where I was ready to learn again and so I put myself out there for like exploring what job opportunities were in New York that would be in alignment with mm-hmm. what I where I'm at in my life what I want to do what I don't want to do and also what I want to learn and what I need to learn and 
I'm in this really cool place where it's like, I feel like I'm on the brink of maybe want 1.0 was when I was still working a full-time job or when I was still in LA. Want 2.0 was either when I left the job or when I moved to New York. And I feel like I'm in want, I'm on the brink of want 3.0 now where I'm on to whatever is next. And I'm really open to what that is. And I'm just really excited to see where it takes me. And mostly like the conversations that I can hopefully start because if I'm just sort of putting it out there and people are just sort of talking back, I love when people reach out to me and I love talking to people about stuff that I've already written about or Mm -hmm. stuff that like I've talked about on a podcast, maybe with a guest, but I love furthering that. And I'm really excited to see what kinds of conversations can evolve from here. We're excited for Want 3.0. I'm really excited for Want 3.0. The way that you just told that whole story and it's just everything that you put out there is so authentic. And I know that word's used like a lot. It's like a buzzword, but it really is. And that's the reason I know that I'm drawn to want. After you had your interview with Jordan, um, I went straight to want and mm-hmm. I read some Oh, of is that blogs. how you on yeah. your podcast? Yeah, exactly. That so that's how fun. I first found you. And it actually, the main thing that triggered me was you guys were talking about HSPs. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. And so yeah. I was completely into that whole conversation. And that's how I found want and started following you and found the podcast. And then me and Liz went to the Good Fest and got to see you speak. Yep. And after that, I was like, we have to reach out to her. And it's just, yeah, you have such an organic way of explaining everything. And it's so completely relatable to, I think, what so many women are going through now. It's like so wonderful to hear somebody that's like telling it how it is. And also like taking it from your own point of view. Like you're explaining your stories. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think so many people connect to. I also think people want, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that people want to (laughs) talk. happens a lot in my world, by the way. I I think this is something negative self-talk and those thoughts are, it's like when everyone realizes, when you realize someone else deals with that. I feel like it's something that everyone thinks like, it's only me me that has these thoughts about myself. It's only me that hates myself this much or whatever it is. And isn't that bizarre that we all think that it's just something that's unique to us? Like we are all so special, but we are not so unique and special that like nobody else is feeling the way that we're feeling. And that is why we get so drawn to other people's stories. Because it's like, oh my goodness, nothing's wrong with me. Oh, other people feel this way too. We can talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah, Like I don't have to hold all of this in. We we can have conversations about what's happening. And yeah, it's so good. Thank you. That that all means a lot to me. And I actually, I, I actually just had this conversation with with a family member about who like reads my writing, listens to my podcast, like it's amazing. And she, it's my grandmother again. <laughs> my grandparents, the same They're set so of grandparents, trendy. introduced me. They're amazing. <laughs> they my grandmother, are. by the way, I need to have her on the podcast at some point because she, she like was supposed to be standing next to Bobby Kennedy when he got shot. She like started a cancer foundation with Armand Hammer. Like she is- she like the Forrest Gump of your family? Like she's just everywhere, (laughs) like all throughout (laughs) history. Yeah, she's, (laughs) oh my God, I love that. Yeah, she basically, she also loves a good box of chocolates. So there's that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I was talking to her and I was like, because a lot of times she'll want to talk about something 
excuse me, something that I, I just wrote about or that was just on my podcast. And I think that's something that also people don't talk about who are writers or who do any sort of art or media, especially in the online space, and it comes from a personal place, is that sometimes we we put everything we have out there and it's not a confessional. Like the best, mm-hmm. the best work is usually behind the scenes. Like the best professional work is not a confessional. This is stuff that is a confluence of a lot of different experiences, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different conversations. And it is what has sort of like the ideas that have resulted from that. And there were a few pieces of my writing where I was talking to her and she was like taking them as confessionals, like things Mm -hmm. that I never told anybody. Like anything that I write about, I have, like I said, done a lot of work to make sure that I am not just sort of like, uh, like emotionally vomiting on that's a pretty image. Emotionally, <laughs> I'm on with everything you though. Else. I'm completely yeah, to with like, you. Take, you know, to yeah. like, I'm not going to push my problems onto other people. Like, this is not a therapy session for me. This is, I either think of a topic or I think about something that I went through or or something that happened that sparked something. And I think, what is what is universal about this? And wh- how what can other people take from this? And I sort of had to say to her that like. I am as truthful and, you know, authentic as possible, but I think the reason why I am able to talk about things with such candor and so openly is because I've done a lot of work to be comfortable with what I'm saying and not in a calculated way. I find it difficult sometimes too with battling between Like the whole reason we started the podcast was because we had all these feelings that we just talked about all the time. Like a lot of them were anxiety related or negative self-talk related. I feel like we're really comfortable with them in that same vein as you. Like I feel like we're really well-versed in those feelings and how we've dealt with them. And so that's why we're able to talk about them. But we, but it's the Uh, same thing that I used to battle between like, well, I'm still like, for example, I'm going through um, a rough patch right now with my school to summer transition. It happens every single year of my life. And then I struggle with, well, should I be talking about this kind of stuff? Or, you know, I'm having all these conversations around anxiety and learning to overcome like the talk we have in our heads. But then it's like, you know what? I think we do need to have these conversations and it's, we're not going to be perfect all the time, but I'm also not putting out there a solution for something that I haven't, you know, solidified in myself yet. And I think that's what, I think that's the balance is you're not out there saying, this is what works and this is what I'm doing. It's like, this is my story and this is what I've gone through. And here it is. Yeah. And when I, and when people ask me, it's always a little bit funny when people ask me like, so how do you stop negative self-talk? And yeah. I'm like, if there was one answer and it was easy, like we would Everyone all Everyone would talking. do it. Right. Exactly. All happy plans. Exactly. It's totally specific. It's totally situational. Like that's why there are different sections on like, just for example, like different sections on the site. That's why I didn't want to just talk about body things. That's why like, there, there's stuff that comes up in every aspect of our lives. And a lot of times it has to be dealt with differently, like per, it's sort of like per situation. And 
something that I tell people when they are sort of stuck in this, they're like, oh, well, I feel like I'm I'm just complaining about XYZ or I'm in this like negative self-talk loop. Uh, question that, and I have this on the site, but one of the questions that I tell people or suggest to people that they ask themselves is, do I really care about finding a solution or do I just like the drama of mm. trying to figure it out? Ooh, yeah. That's such a good point. Sometimes it's really easy to convince ourselves that we're doing something to make lasting change when all we're doing is really going around the same negative talk merry-go-round. And so it's sort of like if we're talking about it, we must like that's doing something about it. It's not. There is, yes, there is so much power in acknowledgement. However, if we're still complaining about the same things over and over and over again. Like the easiest, the easiest example is always to give like the thighs example. Like if you're always complaining about how you hate your thighs, are you complaining because you, first of all, are you complaining because you actually hate your thighs or because it's easy Mm -hmm. to pin it on your thighs when really you're feeling lonely, upset, alone, unsuccessful, like all of, this like potpourri of other things that you can draw from. Mm -hmm. But if you keep complaining about it and then you're not doing anything about it, whether that means altering your lifestyle, if it really is like a physical thing, like, like, oh, I really would like, like the muscles on my, like, I would like more muscle Mm -hmm. on my thighs or whatever, or you are going a different route, which is, which the building muscle could be under the same category, but going under like, okay, I'm going to work on making peace with my body and work on not necessarily body positivity, but body neutrality. Because I know that when I'm feeling the best about my body, the spark, like it's not ignited from, oh, I feel so positive about my body right now. I feel the best when I feel nothing about my body. Mm. I think when people are in that situation. It really is the fact that they're covering up a a bigger issue that they don't want to deal with. And I've seen it a lot with friends. I've seen it in myself. I Mm -hmm. have a lot of that. I feel like I've said that a lot. Like, I feel like I have the answers. I'm just not doing anything. I feel like the things I complain about, I know what I need to do. Like, I know right now, you know, I need to practice self-care. Like, that's my thing right now. I've been just running myself ragged and being like, well, I don't really deserve self-care right now, so I'm not going to practice it, um, which is a silly thought. Everyone deserves self-care. But I mean, I'm I'm not doing it regularly. I'm doing it like off and on in spurts, but... Right. Well, and I think it's also checks and balances. So if self-care to you, like for me, like sometimes if I... If I, like when I was at um, Chalkboard and my commute was crazy and... I was like, I am, I have this time after work and I could, like, I should just go to the gym after work. Like, I totally have time. I could beat evening traffic. I am not an evening worker outer. And that's just, it's not going to make me feel good, make not going to clear my brain. It's not going to make me feel like I'm taking care of myself. So for me, and it might be the totally opposite for other people, I was like, well, then my trade off is, I'm going to wake up earlier in the morning 
and I'm going to beat the traffic and I'm going to get a workout that is maybe a little bit shorter. Maybe I'll be tired, but I will feel great afterward and I won't be working out at night. Like you find what works for you or like with me, with with want right now, like I totally know that I could be going off on my lunch break and taking my laptop to a coffee shop for the 30 minutes or hour, whatever, and just like banging out work. That is not my style because something people always ask me like, you do so many things. Like, how do you do so many things? And I really compartmentalize. And so I don't want to be scattering myself throughout the day. So I do work before work. I do want work before fitness work. Mm -hmm. I do it after fitness work. And I know that there's certain things that I just, I don't necessarily have the energy, the mental capacity and energy for right now. So I am really lucky and I'm in the position right now where like I can hire someone to do a bit of freelance work for me. So I'm going to, we have a phone meeting either this weekend or next week. And she's like gonna help streamline some things for me. And at the very least, like give me a sort of game plan to follow because I, I, I'm doing so much right now that I'm, I'm recognizing that yes, I can do so much, but I also have limits and I shouldn't berate myself for having limits. I should ask for help because I have limits. Yeah. Yeah. Just really uh, like listening to yourself and what your body needs. And I, you, you obviously really know what works for you. And I think that's the key. It's like, yeah. not what works for that person, not what this person's doing. Like, what do I really want to do? What's really going to make me feel better in this situation? Yeah, yeah. And it's important, I think, to give yourself permission to have that change because we're, I mean, every single living being on the planet, like we are always growing and evolving mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. Like what worked for us, three years ago might not be the oh, best formula for us right now, you <laughs> yes. know? Yes. So just giving ourselves permission to find what works for us now and now and now and now. I keep hearing people talk about seasons. Like what happened in that season of your life isn't going to happen in this new season of your life. And it really clicked with me because a lot of times I'll be like, well, back then I just, I felt like this or we were different. You're a different person. Right. A completely different person. And so it's okay to have to change the way you do things. It's okay to feel different about certain things and just allowing that to be, to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Thank you, by the way, so much for having this conversation with us. Like when you agreed to come on the podcast at the Good Fest, I was fangirling and cheering inside <laughs> the whole oh. time. You, you, I will say you were so funny because you reminded me of me. And <laughs> when you came up to me and we met and we hugged and you were, you said something about like, like, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And I was like, okay. I was like, let's do it. I know. And you looked at me and you were like, what? Really? Yeah. I seriously, awesome. it took me aback. I was like, oh my gosh, she just said yes. Like it yeah. wasn't even like, let's, let's like exchange information and talk about it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. And then I ran to yeah. Liz and I was like, this is going to happen. Um, no, I'm so, I'm so happy that we 
are finally doing it. This has been, I can't believe we've been on Skype for an hour and 40 minutes. I love it. I could talk. I could, I have so many more questions too that I just would pick your brain about, but people would be listening to like a four hour podcast conversation. It'd be the Katie and Chime (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Nina asks Katie a million questions podcast. The want and shine podcast. The want and shine. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun and it was so easy. And I think that the dynamic that you two have together is just so inviting and welcoming to like the third person who's joining you. So thank you so much. Thank you. We love that. It just made us feel really, really awesome. (laughs) So thank you. A big thank you again to Katie for just bringing that light into our lives. Um, I know that I personally got so much reassurance that some of those negative thoughts we have and those negative vibes are really natural. And I feel like I personally can walk away with some tools to be more aware of those thoughts and ideas and make sure that I come out on top. Yeah. And I also really like the whole idea that your challenges really become the things that make you a stronger and better person in the end. And it's really clear that, you know, Katie had these situations like throughout her childhood and through college that were really, really difficult times, but then she took them and ran with them and is doing good with them now and inspiring other women. And so that's something that I've been reminding myself of a lot lately is that there, it sounds super cliche, but there's always something positive that comes out of our darkest and hardest times if we choose to look at it in that light. So thank you to Katie for just reaching the masses and teaching us that negative self-talk does not have to define us. So if you are interested, again, we highly recommend going to her website, um, checking out her podcast or going to the Good Fest in LA next year. She'll be there. She'll be there and she'll be speaking again. As always, the conversation doesn't have to end here. In fact, Nina is on Instagram, I think 23 hours out of the 24 a day. I just really love Instagram. Um, (laughs) If you reach out to Wine and Shine, you will never get a hold of me unless you tell Nina to get a hold of me. And I will get a hold of her for you. (laughs) But if you want to message us on Instagram, I'm all about it. I will be there to respond. And I actually, the extrovert in me is like, dying to talk to all of you and correspond with all of you. I actually met a really, really good friend now through Instagram and our um, integrative nutrition program. And we met on the Balanced Blondes Soul on Fire Facebook page. So I think it's so much fun. I'm like obsessed with social media. Liz, not so much, but she loves you all anyway. I do. And last but not least, if you guys are interested, we were thinking about possibly starting a private Facebook group, which I would be in charge of and would connect Why wouldn't I be in charge of it, Nina? Liz, you hate social media. (laughs) Liz's forte is talking into the mic, which I completely love. love. Into the mic. I love you and your sultry, calm voice and your big words that you use. (laughs) You're so good at it. Um, No, but if you are at all interested in a Facebook group, let me know, and I would be more than happy to create that, just so that I can get to know you guys and Liz. She'll hop on. I'll get on. I would get on that and participate in that. Yeah. She, oh, she put up her hand. I would get <laughs> I would on do that. <laughs> um, but then you guys can all talk to each other and we can share cool things and articles and blogs and podcasts and it would be so much fun. So let's do you it. You just got so amped. I did. Your speech like rapidly increased. <laughs> <laughs> I'm creating the Facebook group whether you like it or not, everybody. Just joking. 
Um, But yeah, I think that's it. That's all we got for today. Yeah, we'll catch you next week and keep being beautiful, lovely. Aw, that was cute. (laughs) All right, have a good week. Bye.